Good morning. Let's stand for our opening hymn today. Never mind. Can you hear me now? <laughs> Good morning. Uh, Bill is not feeling well this morning, so he called in sick. I tried to give him a hard time about it, but he still stayed out. Uh, but uh, so don't. But don't worry about him. He said it's just uh, uh, a head cold. But uh, he said uh, pray for him, and I told him we'd think about it. Um, but as far as announcements go, uh, familiarize yourself with what's in the bulletin. Do we have any others that need to be shared this morning? Susie. I still need bell ringers at First Lutheran Valley Economy Church. That's the key. Yes, he's uh, working 30 hours. There's two hours to and you can sign up at registerdoring.com. All right. Bell ringers at Hershey's. Sign up at bell ringers. No, register to ring. Register to ring at. Oh, at registeredring.com to be a bell ringer. A registered bell ringer. So the last thing we need is unregistered ringing of bells. That would be bad. Any other announcements? Connie. <laughs> Tonight's the, the adult Christmas party at 6 o'clock, right? Will they be playing trombones? Will they be playing trombones?
That's our name, Pastor David and his group. We are the Redwood Preservation Society. It's a folk band. Which could happen. No, it won't. All right, fantastic. For you young people who don't understand the reference to 76 trombones, I'm sorry. Wednesday night, Bible study starts. Thank you, Vicki. Uh, so, yeah, we start uh, our, our Wednesday night Bible study. We're going to start studying. Uh, it's kind of a dirty word these days, but spiritual disciplines. And these are helpful spiritual practices that draw us closer to God. So they help us strengthen our faith. And I think it's going to be a good time, I hope. So I invite you to join us. We're going to be meeting right over there in that corner, unless, of course, we get too many people, in which case we'll just spread out into the, the, the room, and we'll have a good time. Yes, Debbie. For the whole year. So get your calendars out. Where are you going to start it? All right, it's going to start in the back. Make sure that it gets all the way over to Leanne Seibert, okay? Or even, uh, yeah, Waymer's back there, okay? All right, any others? Yes. They're all gone. You're welcome. <laughs> I believe the, the, the form is up here uh, with the list of who took who. So, all right. Yeah, thank you, church, for taking care of that. Anything else? Yeah. Ooh. There's free baby. What if you're not coming to the party? Is there free babysitting? <laughs> so for those attending, there's free babysitting. All right, got it. Who's, who's watching the babies? Yeah, I hope you're getting paid a lot. <laughs> she doesn't know. <laughs> you got to hold out for the money, bro. All right. Any others? No? All right. Well, let's pray. Let's prepare our hearts for worship this morning. God, we do thank you for today. We thank you that you're here with us. Uh, if we would but uh, be aware of it. And so our prayer this morning is that you'd help us to be aware of it. Help us to be engaged in your presence, uh, even a fraction of the amount that you are engaged with us. That it's your desire to be with us. It's your desire to bless us with your presence. Help us to be open to you, open to your spirit, to, to be uh, teachable, uh, that you would bring us a little bit closer to you in intimacy. Help us to fall more in love with you today and more in love with one another, and more in love with those people outside of the church who, who have not yet found their hope in Jesus Christ. And so we pray this as your children. And now, together, as your children, with one voice, we pray that prayer that you taught your disciples to pray. As we say, Our Father, 
who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And I think that blah, 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 blah was definitely on Jesus' mind when he was teaching us to pray those prayers. That's excellent. Let's stand and sing our praise songs together. Tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. While shepherds shepherd the watching, all silent flocks by night. Behold the Shepherds filled and trembled, and above the earth rang out the angel chorus that sang our Savior's birth. Oh, tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Oh, tell it on the mountain, Jesus Christ is born. seated. Do we have any birthdays we need to celebrate today? Any birth right there? Wow. Fantastic. Who among you is moxie enough to carry the birthday? Sam, come on. The first one is right back there, Mr. Chandler. You want to tell us how old you are? Sixty. That's that's a good number. That's an excellent number. Any others? Sixty years old, Mr. Chandler is. No other birthdays. All right. What about anniversaries? Any anniversaries to celebrate today? None whatsoever. All right. Well, let's sing Happy Birthday to Mr. Chandler. To happy birthday to. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. Very good. So no anniversaries to celebrate today, but that's all right. Any other good news to share this morning? Something 
Something good. Yes. <laughs> no, no. Here's what I've learned. If I just if I if I get it started, there are these people who come out of the woodwork to fix everything I do. And so I got it started earlier this week, and by the time I was done, I looked back and I did a really great job. <laughs> it was, I am really, really, I have a knack. I have a knack, apparently. So I told them all I was going to take credit for it, too. So, but no, I, several, several uh, gifted people helped me do it. Any others? Good enough. Yes, Jenny. Oh, having a, ba a baby grandbaby girl. All right. And when, when is this baby due? In May. All right. Well, that's exciting. Joanne. <laughs> a great grandma in July. All right. That's fantastic. We like, we like babies. Any others? Those are good things to report. Excellent things to report. Okay. Well, isn't that nice? Yes, that's good. Thank you, Leanne, for washing Connie's dishes. We had a great Thanksgiving meal yesterday, so it was good of you to invite my family to come over and eat with you, too. So that's the twice this week we've had turkey dinner. So I don't know if it shows, but, but I'm, people always ask, how, how are you doing? How's your family? And I always answer, fat and sassy. So, but uh, that's, that's what it's like to be a Warren, is to be fat and sassy. Anything else? Yes, Judy. This is just but our Thanksgiving we went back to Howard's hometown. This was the this was the third year that we had gotten together between his brothers and sisters and their families and friends and family. So this is crazy. So fifty three years. Nice. Good. Celebrating family. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> but she's here, and that is what matters. That is what matters. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, that's good. Do we have any children that would like to come forward for a brief children's moment? All right, stand right here. I'm going to make a line. Stand right there. Stand right there. Make a big line. Make a big line. We're just going to take a little walk, so you're good. You got everybody who's coming? We're coming this way. We're coming over here to this little, this little scene over here. 
Now, this is a different kind of Christmas decoration, don't you think? What do you notice first that might be different about this Christmas decoration? Yes. Skinnier. Say again. It's skinnier. It is skinnier. That is a very, <laughs> that is a very trim, might I say not fat and sassy tree. There is a baby Jesus in the manger, which we, we kind of expect that sometimes at Christmas, right? Is there anything about this that... There's a wooden cross. Leave it to an Oakley. All right, there is a cross in this Christmas scene. We don't usually think of the cross at Christmas. When do we usually think of the cross? Easter, Easter time. Easter, that's an Easter thing, right? What is Easter all about? Jesus loved us so much, right? But God loved us so much. That's it exactly. He died on the cross because he wanted to save us from our sins and so that we wouldn't have to do that for ourselves. And, and yet here it is at Christmas time. This, well, not this little baby, but what this little baby represents, it represents baby Jesus. And so this little baby came for what reason? Uh, to save us. To save us. This was always in his future even on that morning when he was born. That's why he came. <coughs> so everything we're about to celebrate this season coming up to Christmas leads us towards this right here. This was always his goal, to save us. And he knew that. That's why he came. So we're just going to say a quick prayer. We're going to thank him. Yes, God, we thank you that you sent your son to be with us at Christmas and all of the good feels that we get about that. But let us always remember that the reason that God sent his son was to rescue us, to save us. So let's say a prayer together. Jesus, oh, you guys repeat after me, okay? Say, Jesus, Jesus. thank you, thank you. For, coming to earth for coming to earth as a baby, as a baby. To, be with us, to be with us, uh, but to love us, to love us. but also, but also to, save to save us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. While they're making their way back to wherever they came from, let's confuse them a little bit and let's stand and greet one another. Mingle in the Lord.
<laughs> if our ushers would prepare to receive this morning's tithes and offerings, we will prepare ourselves to worship God through giving. Come on forward, gentlemen. Let us pray. God, we do ask that you would uh, receive these gifts that we're about to give. Um, we, we give these not as, as payment, not to, uh, to give you what you deserve because we could never do that. Uh, you're always more than we could ever, ever do. But God, we ask that you would receive these gifts from our hand as worship, uh, from grateful hearts, that you would impress upon us uh, as, as to how we should give, that we may not be coerced by, by men, but we might be led by your spirit. And we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. be seated. You'll see in your bulletin the line Adventum Lux. Well, that's fancy Latin uh, for coming light. And, and so this is the first Sunday in Advent, 
And Advent, uh, as, as just stated, Adventum means uh, coming, uh, and so the, or the appearing. And so this is all about anticipating the appearing and coming of Jesus Christ uh, on Christmas. And so this first Sunday of Advent, we're going to pause, and below the, the pulpit here, we have our Advent candles. Uh, but we're going to pause, and we're going to light our first candle of Advent this year. We're going to call it the candle of promise. And this is not just a promise that the, that the angel gave to, to Mary and Joseph, but, but it's that, that promise that was also first uttered in the garden. Uh, way back in the very beginning, the promise that the woman's seed would one day crush the head of the serpent. And that is why I love the fact that, that uh, someone has taken it upon themselves to decorate our Christmas scene with the cross because it's all one message. We don't have two messages in the church. We have one message. Paul put it this way. He said, I'm thankful that when I was with you, I preached nothing but Christ crucified. And we need to understand that. But the promise was given to Abraham as well said to Abraham that all nations would be blessed through his seed. The promise was given to David that he would have a throne established forever. The promise was given to Israel that a light would indeed dawn in the darkness. And so we light our first candle of Advent, the candle of promise. We're going to turn our hearts toward prayer now, and we're going to ask that, uh, that you would be mindful of those things that are listed in our bulletin. A couple things that I want to draw your attention to, and then I'll open it up for other uh, prayer requests. But uh, Mark Seibert's going to have some surgeries coming up, uh, in the, and it starts Saturday, correct? Uh, and he's got a long road ahead of him. So we want to be praying for Mark. Uh, and... Yes, he needs the surgeries, but man, Saturday, <laughs> you know, no one wants to go in on a Saturday. And so be praying for Mark and his family, uh, but also be praying for Bill Heilman, uh, Vicky's dad. Pray that God would uh, uh, be with him and continue to, uh, to minister to him uh, in the best way that, that God alone can. Uh, and with his wife, of course, June. Uh, that God would grant her rest and peace. Uh, do we have any other requests this morning? Donetta. Can you give us his? Zachariah Lee. All right. I heard something over here. Or was that just a child? All right. All right. David. David. 
Bonnie Crawford? What's his last name one more time? Gantz? Okay. from tomorrow, Packer's going to have some imaging done. Okay. Anything else? All right, well, let's turn to the Lord in prayer. God, as we come before you as your children, we want to lift up uh, Bill Weatherholt to you. Uh, he's not with us today. As he's not feeling well, we ask that you would uh, bring healing to his body and and strength. But we have several people who are uh, scheduled for surgeries and uh, doctor's appointments and things coming up. And and so we lift these things up to you. Uh, We know that you you knew about these appointments before the doctors did. Uh, You knew that it was going to happen long before it even entered their mind. And so this is not a surprise to you. And so we ask that you would be faithful to your word, that you said that you would be with us. Not only that you would be with us, but you would be a very present help in times of trouble. So God, I pray for Mark, that you would uh, comfort his heart, let him know that he is not alone, that you are with him always. And the same for for Vicki. God, we pray for, for Bill in June that you would minister to them with your presence, that presence that, that provides peace, that passes understanding. God, we pray for Zachariah Lee. We know that, that you know where he's at. And though some may have given up hope, God, we pray for his safe return. We pray that you would be a God who, who makes ways. We lift up our sweet little Chloe to you, and we ask that you would... Uh, Protect her and, and, and give uh, the surgeon just skilled hands as they're going in to, uh, to do what they think is best for her. And God, we pray for Sydney too, that you give her peace. We lift up Bonnie Crawford to you and we pray that you would sustain her as she uh, goes through uh, this battle with cancer. We pray for Charlie suffered from a stroke and we ask that you would be present with him bring strength to his body strength and encouragement to the whole family we pray for Josh and his whole family and his marriage we pray that you would strengthen and encourage his trust in you 
help them to find a way to fight through whatever it is that they're, they're dealing with, but to do it with you. God, we pray for uh, this Mrs. Douglas, <laughs> that you would uh, bless her and, and the surgery that's, that, that, uh, that you would just be uh, a God of healing for her. We know you're a God of healing. We've seen you do it. And that's why we can boldly bring Patrick before you, knowing that uh, this imaging uh, doesn't intimidate you. And it's just a tool. And so we pray for a good report. And we pray for peace. God, I pray that you would help all of us to put our hearts into your hands, to be able to trust you with with those things that, that we feel are out of control. To be able to trust you and, and to know that you are a God who is good and you are a God who is powerful and able. And we lift all of these things and the many other things that we've been unable to express to you. And we ask for the grace and the courage to trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Our scripture this morning is going to come to us from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, uh, verses 26 through 27. And Joanne Lamar, would you like to come and read scripture for us this morning? I'm just curious. <laughs> it's a short one. Not like the kind I give to Rebecca Coleman. <laughs> Thank you, ma'am. <laughs> he does like to pick on me, though. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted he inter, sorry, to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And that's the word of God for the people of God. And we say, Amen. Amen. It's so important to be thankful for the word. Uh, there's something, you know, the, the scriptures tell us whenever the word of God goes forth, you know, it accomplishes what it has been sent to do. And so anytime you hear the word being read, you may not even understand all that's being said. You may not even under, uh, understand why it's being read, but it will have an effect on you, on the atmosphere and those around you. And because it's the truth that comes from the heart of God. And so uh, today... Uh, our focus is going to be on the fact that Jesus, our Savior, was promised from God, as we talked about lighting the candle, uh, but promised from the very beginning. This is not a new promise. Uh, as, as we lit our Advent candle, I, I spoke of, of, of the garden, I spoke of Abraham, I spoke of uh, King David, uh, but uh, it was repeated throughout the ages, as illustrated in the text that Joanne read for us, that, that it was... Uh, something that he, he interpreted to them on that road to Emmaus 
uh, all of the, the, the Psalms and the prophets, right? The law of Moses, he took them through the, throughout the Old Testament to t- point out to these, these two folk uh, who the Messiah was supposed to be. That if, if you read your Bible carefully, you would have recognized that Jesus was not an afterthought. That Jesus was not like just something recent that happened. That, that this was something that, that was uh, promised from the very beginning. You know, they were walking along this road and they were all distraught because they had this idea of a Messiah who was going to come uh, on a horse with a sword. You know, and he was going to defeat uh, the Roman occupation and set up this kingdom that would last forever. And they were thinking in very earthly terms about this kingdom. And I, you all didn't know what, what song probably that Janie was playing during the offertory, but Ordinary Baby is the name of the song she was playing. And it's all about how God chose to come, you know, as we have this little crash over here, as an ordinary baby. And there's one line in that song, so that we would not be afraid. You know, and so he found a way to come to us in a way that we wouldn't be afraid of him in, in this masterful uh, stroke of genius uh, that God had. And so even now we pause in, in Advent to remember this promised coming, Advent, of a Messiah. And I have explained this before, but I'll tell you again. Messiah, we love that word because it sounds all Christmassy, right? But that's the same word, that's, that's the, the Hebrew word that we now use the Greek term Christ. So Jesus Christ, Christ was not his last name. You know, it wasn't Mary and Joseph Christ who lived at, you know, 28 Ashburton Road or, you know, it was, it was Jesus the Christ or Jesus Messiah. And, and that what it really means is anointed one or chosen one. And so the one sent from God. And Advent literally means coming. So the coming of the Messiah or the coming of the chosen one and the season leading up to um, what we call the incarnation, that's another big word for you, uh, God in the flesh. God becoming one of us. Uh, and so the season leading up to that, uh, which would be the birth of Jesus Christ, uh, is meant to be a season of, <coughs> excuse me, expectation, but also a season of preparation. Uh, if, if you knew someone important was coming to your house for dinner, you would develop a little bit of expectation about it, right? But there's also something that would happen. Your mom would go crazy trying to prepare the house for this distinguished guest, right? Uh, you would be cleaning things you didn't even know existed. Uh, you would, uh, they, she might even attempt to throw you out on the curb, you know, if you weren't in uh, tip-top shape. And so this preparation for the coming Messiah is definitely a part of this expectation. And if you don't really expect the Messiah to come, you're not really going to prepare for it. So expectation of the promise being fulfilled and then the following preparation to receive the promise. And so today we're going to remind ourselves of some of those Old Testament promises. We're going to go through some of those Old Testament scriptures. But then we're going to ask how we might prepare ourselves for the coming Messiah. Uh, To to prepare our hearts at St. Paul spiritually for Christmas. Uh, Christmas uh, has been so commercialized in our culture. And we're all aware of that, and I could go on ad nauseum about that, but we all know that. But it's our job as followers of Jesus Christ to hone in on 
pardon the expression, but the reason for the season, right? We need to hone in on Jesus Christ and focus our hearts on him. And so we're going to spend the rest of this Advent season, if you will, uh, gearing up uh, for Christmas Eve, on which we will reverently celebrate the coming of our Savior. Uh, it's an opportunity to disengage from that commercialization and to reimmerse ourselves as those who, we are those who are his saved ones, and so we are to be those who worship and exalt our Savior, to reimmerse ourselves in that love and that grace that God has. So let's look at some of these Old Testament scriptures. All the way back in Genesis, I mentioned it already, but I want to read it to you. Genesis 3.15 says, I will put enmity, that means strife, not getting along, between you, he's talking to the serpent, and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, but you will bruise his heel. And that's a, I don't know if you understand that, that's a lopsided victory in Jesus' favor, you know. You're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. Uh, and this is a promise of the Messiah given to us in Genesis chapter 3. So that goes way back to the garden. Uh, he would come from the seed or offspring of Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, God said, I will bless those who bless you, and he who dishonors you I will dishonor. And in you, all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me, this is Moses talking, from among you, from your brothers, and it is to this one that you will listen. And he was referring to that greater Moses, that greater prophet, Jesus, who was coming. In Micah chapter 5, some of y'all didn't even know there was a book called Micah, did you? Micah chapter 5. But you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. Isaiah. There's so many from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 7. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, now you tell me, what is she going to call him? Emmanuel. I know. I've always said, when in doubt, say Jesus. But it was Emmanuel. That was a trick question. He would have a throne, it says in 2 Samuel. A kingdom, a dynasty, a house, starting with David. But it would, as Nathan prophesied over David, he said, and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. And Jesus is the son of David. He would be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and he would possess an everlasting kingdom. That's in Isaiah chapter 9. He would ride in Jer Jer Jerusalem on a donkey, 
righteous, having salvation, coming with gentleness. That's from Zechariah 9. He would be, as Isaiah says, pierced for our transgression, crushed for our iniquities. He would die among the wicked ones, buried with the rich, resurrected from the grave, for God would not allow his Holy One to suffer decay, Psalm 16. He would come again from the clouds of heaven as the Son of Man, Daniel 7. Malachi, he would be the Son of Righteousness for all who revere him and look for his coming again. Zechariah again. He is the one whom Israel will one day recognize as the one they pierced, causing bitter grief. And so we see that throughout Scripture, this Messiah has been heralded. That's a good Christmas word for us. Heralded time and time again. And so during the time that that Jesus began doing his ministry, Israel was going through this thing called messianic fever. That's a big theologian word for you, but messianic fever. That means they were so excited because they believed through their interpretation of the scriptures that now was the time that the Messiah was going to come. Now was the time that Jesus was going to make an appearance. He was going to be a savior. And they knew that was coming, and everybody was looking for the Messiah. They would go out, they would follow this guy for a while, and he would prove not to be the Messiah. Then they'd follow this guy, and he'd prove not to be the Messiah. So many of them were convinced that John the Baptist was the Messiah. But he said, no, 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 no. I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes. Okay? That guy over there. And what did he call him? The first time he saw him, he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That was a game changer for them. They didn't understand that imagery. They understood the Passover lamb. They got that. But they would never have connected that with their Messiah, their coming king. They never would have connected this sacrifice of God with this one who was to be their their ruler, their great savior. And so they had this expectation but they had not yet prepared their hearts for what God was bringing. So to have expectation without preparation, really what that leads to is you missing the boat. It's like if you're really expecting your ship to come in, what do you do? You pack your bags, right? You pack your bags and you get your sunscreen you know, and you're ready to go and and you get time off of work so that you can go on your trip But if you don't really expect it, but you just want it, you just sit around waiting for it to happen. So our response to this expectant Messiah, our response to these promises would be to prepare our hearts. Primarily, we should develop or cultivate a heart of expectation and a heart of preparation. And all too often, we come to God so many of us, myself included, we come to God with this wishful thinking alone. And God doesn't ask us to come to him with wishful thinking. He, he asks us to come to him with expectancy. Uh, this great, um, we don't say it out loud, but it's what we think in our hearts. Wouldn't it be nice if? Wouldn't it be nice if God would do this? Wouldn't it be nice if all of these promises were true? Wouldn't it be nice if? And that mentality caused most of Israel to miss the boat. Wouldn't it be nice if God would send a Messiah now? 
Wouldn't it be nice if he would come and throw these Roman rulers off of our necks? Wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice? And they longed for him. They prayed for him. They needed their Messiah. But they didn't expect their Messiah. They weren't prepared for their Messiah. So develop an expectant heart is a tricky thing, I think. Uh, we tend to think uh, it is presumptuous to expect anything from God. You know, well, I don't, I don't want to just presume that he's going to come through for me. You know, but here's the, here's the rub. Are you presuming that God will come through for you if he has told you that he would? And if he has said that he would, what will he do? What he said he would do. He is faithful and true to his promise. We're very familiar with the fact that we are undeserving people. I don't have to remind any of you uh, that you're undeserving of the mercy, the grace, and the love of God. But we allow that truth to overshadow everything in our hearts sometimes. We, let, we exalt our undeserving nature so much uh, that our thoughts uh, go something like this. God, I know you can. I know you're able, God. I'm just not sure you will because I don't deserve it, because I haven't earned it. And while that's true, you don't deserve his love, he loves you anyway. You don't deserve his grace, he pours it out anyway. You don't deserve his mercy, he gives it anyway. You don't deserve a savior, but he saves you anyway. None of us deserve the coming promise of the Messiah, but God will be faithful to his word anyway. So we need to come to expect it. Remind of this story, and it, and, it, and it doesn't sit easy the first time you hear it, but there's this little kid who is coming over to this, this guy's house with his dad, and they walk up to the front door, and you can smell the chocolate chip cookies wafting out the, the door, right? This is, like some of you now are thinking, hmm, that is a good smell. And the man opens the door, and the kid says, where's the cookies? Right? And at first, what do we think? If you were the parent of that child, the first words out of your mouth would be, Tommy, we don't say things like that. Right? We would get on to them for being so presumptuous that the cookies were for them. Right? But this man was expecting them to come. He invited them. Why on earth would he make chocolate chip cookies if it was not for Tommy and his dad? That was Tommy's thinking, right? And so this idea of God has made all these lavish promises, lavish promises to us, and we come to him with, how can I manipulate God into getting one of these for myself? How can I twist God's arm into getting this great promise of love and mercy and grace for me? What can I do to convince him to give me some of that? When God has already said, here. And yet we still approach him with this, this timidity of those who might not be his children. We don't deserve that coming promise, but God is faithful anyway. We need to come to expect God's faithfulness. This way we will not miss his appearing when he comes. How many times has Jesus shown up in our lives on a day-to-day -day basis and we've missed it because we didn't expect it? 
We don't demand that Jesus would show up in a certain way, but we expect him to show up in the way that we need. We don't demand that he come on our timetable, obviously, but we expect him to be found when we seek him. And why do we expect him to be found when we seek him? Because he said, if you seek me, you will find me. He didn't say, if you seek me, I'm going to go hide someplace else. Now, when the, when the youth group gets together, we like to play capture the flag. And I'll just be honest with you. We play all over the church. <laughs> and sometimes, one of the teams gets the bright idea that once their flag location has been discovered, they're going to move it. Right? And what does the other team say? No fair. Right? No fair. I can't believe you moved the flag. Right? Well, you didn't establish the rules yet. But Jesus doesn't move the flag. He says, if you seek me, you will find me. In fact, he plays hide-and-seek like my son Levi plays hide-and-seek. He says, I'm going to hide. Dad, where should I hide? Help me find a good place to hide. And he does that for all 20 seconds that the other person's counting. And finally, he finds a place to hide. And he says, Dad, don't tell him I'm under the blanket. Tell him not to look under the blanket. So when I ever comes in, I say, ever, don't look under that blanket. Levi's not there. And guess where Levi is? He's right underneath that blanket. And not only were the clues so obvious, but Levi is moving the whole time. And he's giggling the whole time. Cannot wait to be found. This is God. That's how God hides from you. Okay? He waits to be found. He waits to be found. And he leaves all kinds of clues as to where he may be. We don't demand he comes in the way that we expect him, but we expect him to come. We expect him to be found when we seek him. And so next week, we're going to dive deeper into this expectancy. And in fact, that's what our candle is going to be called next week. This week's the candle of promise. Next week, it's the candle of expectation. We have this confident hope in who God is in Jesus Christ, that we can find Jesus I believe, in the least likely places if we will start seeking him. You're going to find him in your neighbor. You're going to find him in your chores. You're going to find him while you're broken down on the side of the highway. You're going to find him in the least likely of places if you will look for him. Amen. We're going to sing our closing hymn now. No. No. I'm sorry. We're going to have communion. Listen. This is my first show. <laughs> Let's prepare our hearts for Holy Communion. God, we do thank you. We thank you for your grace and your love. Uh, we don't want to cheapen and lighten this, this act of Holy Communion. As we talked about in our children's sermon, God, it was, this was always on your mind. This is why you came. You came to give yourself up for us. You came to suffer and to die that we might find life. God, help us to latch on to that truth, that you're not a God who's hiding from us, that you're a God that is, that is waiting for us. And so as we move into this time of Holy Communion, I pray that you prepare our hearts to receive that which you freely offer to us through your Son, Jesus Christ.
and it was on the night that Jesus was betrayed that he took the bread and he broke the bread and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take this, eat this, all of you. And when you do, do so in remembrance of me. And I maintain that, again, the disciples were still thinking he was going to be that, that, that knight in shining armor who was going to deliver them from the Roman occupation. And here he starts reminding them again of the Passover lamb. And there had to be a lot of confusion in their hearts and their minds that night. As he said, this is my body, broken for you. And then he took the cup. And he lifted up the cup. And though he knew everything that it meant, his suffering, his crucifixion, he gave thanks. Because this is why he came. And he said, this is my blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins, the blood of a new covenant. He was making all things new. And he said, every time you drink of this, do so in remembrance of me. Patrick. Now let us stand and sing our closing hymn.